where we talk about women from mythology and folklore all over the world. We're your hosts. I'm Lizzie. And I'm Zoe. Lizzie, how are you? I'm doing great. Why are you speaking so slow? I don't know. I'm trying to I'm trying to mix things up. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, no, I'm fine. I am going to go as Liesl von Trapp for Halloween. How are you? I am fine. I'm tired. Uh, I have a crazy weekend and then a crazy week and lots of stuff going on, but I'm glad that we found time to do this because I've been stressed out about it, so that's good. <laughs> And you went as Tony Soprano. I did go as Tony Soprano. That was fun. I have to watch that show. You do have to watch that show, actually, <laughs> I would say. Yeah. It's been having a little bit of a renaissance. My sister's been watching it. Yeah. There's an article in the New York Times about it, uh, which I didn't read. Well, I did read, and then I got spoiled for a bunch of things, so then I stopped oh, reading it because I was like, <laughs> I don't want to be spoiled, but it was too late. But anyway. Oh, well. Um, <laughs> Speaking of old people. Old people. <laughs> yes. So, speaking of the elderly... I guess we were speaking. Today, what is our theme, Lizzie? So today, uh, we will be talking about crones. Yeah, old ladies. Yeah. So today, we'll be talking about the crone archetype as it occurs throughout folklore, and we'll talk about some specific crone figures. So the figure of the crone occurs very frequently throughout fairy tales, folklore, legends, and mythology, and extends today into literature and movies as well. Mm Mm-hmm. We've talked a little bit on this podcast here and there about the ways that old women are perceived throughout myths and folktales, but today we're going to go into depth into the crone archetype. Awesome. So some well-known crone figures include Baba Yaga, the witch from Hansel and Gretel, Yama Uba, the witch from The Little Mermaid. These are all figures who are rather frightening and villainous. There are also a number of old women figures who are meant to be positive. For example, Spider Grandmother from several Native American cultures such as the Hopi and Navajo who is typically seen as wise and helpful. However, it seems like the majority of crone figures throughout folklore are not meant to be viewed in a positive light and often tend to be evil. Mm -hmm. Societally, both elderly people and women are seen as being quite weak, so the fact that old women are often powerful and fearsome figures is quite interesting, and in this episode, we're going to explore why that is. Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah. According to the Oxford English Dictionary, the word crone in English is believed to be taken from the old northern French gahong, which meant carcass. It is cognate with the English word carrion, referring to the dead, putrefying flesh of a person or animal. Well, that's fun. Not a very positive word, probably. No, definitely not. Also, the word hag, which is really Mm -hmm. the same to me as crone and will also be used throughout the episode. Um, the word hag came from the Old English hagtessa, hagtessa, I don't know Old English pronunciation, which meant a sorceress, which I find interesting because throughout many centuries, the meaning of the word stayed the same. Um, and it was also used in a pejorative term for like an old woman, and that sense also came about as early as 1400 and is still going pretty strong. Interesting. Yeah. Um, Maria Werner, in her book From the Beast to the Blonde, 
argues that old women are often viewed negatively because to be old and therefore ugly is viewed as a transgression in a culture where to be feminine means to be beautiful. Mm -hmm. She says, Decrepitude enciphered ugliness. Ugliness, unloveliness. Unloveliness, unwomanliness. Unwomanliness, infertility. A state of being against nature. Mm. Yeah. In addition, a woman past childbearing age goes against the purpose of her gender, which is another transgression against society. Mm-hmm. Maria Tatar also points out that old women villains can be especially scary because historically, one's mother is often the most powerful figure in a person's life. That's true. It is. Yeah. At the same time, even negative characterizations of old women still depict them as intelligent, resourceful, and powerful. In the tale of Kashi the Deathless, where Kashi is a menacing figure who can't be killed, the protagonist Ivan seeks the help of Baba Yaga in order to defeat him, which presents her as more powerful than Kashi. Mm-hmm. In the grim tale, Old Rink Rank, have you, have you read that one or heard of it? No. <laughs> so, so it's basically like there's this young girl and she's like a princess and she gets trapped under a mountain and then she meets this old man whose name is Old Rink Rink and um, she lives many years in servitude. And she grows old, and she's given the name Mother Mansrot. And basically, she grows in wisdom as she ages in this, like, under the mountain or whatever, until she figures out how to defeat Old Rink Rink and escapes. So, in this case, age and thus experience and wisdom is kind of good. Yeah. You know, like, she she wouldn't have been able to escape until she grew old. Mm -hmm. There's more to that story, by the way. I was just giving the bare bones. Anyway, so... Mm-hmm. Catherine Langrish writes in her article, Old women and some men in fairy tales, whether they be wicked witches or wise women, fairy tales depict old women as repositories of knowledge and power. Like the witch in Hansel and Gretel, many live in cottages of their own, signifying their independence and autonomy. So true. Yeah. So, like, Yama Uba, who we talked about in our episode about yokai, is a crone figure similar to Baba Yaga in that she may kill and eat people or she may help lost travelers and bring them good fortune. Mm-hmm. Probably mentioned this, but Yama Uba's story may have originated from the old custom where when there was a famine, families mm-hmm. would sacrifice a family member so more food could go around and it would often be a grandparent who would be left on a mountain or in the forest to die. And then yep. these abandoned old women would potentially turn into Yama Uba. Which is good for them. I agree. I like the idea that old women who were abandoned or mistreated could then become powerful figures who instill fear mm-hmm. in the hearts of the people who abandoned them. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's pretty, like, powerful, actually. Like, mm-hmm. in a way, I feel like crone figures have a lot of freedom that young women characters mm-hmm. don't because nobody really expects anything from them, so they can just do whatever they want. Yeah, I feel like crones are often, like, super, you know, mischievous or funky characters, you know, like, obviously They're kind of just, like, having fun, you know? Is, yeah, is a really good example of someone who's just, like, messing around and having a good time and, like, very... Like, they're just doing whatever they want. moves with the whims of whatever she wants, which is a lot more free than, like, a lot of women in the time where her stories were super popular. Yeah, young women characters are usually so much more, like, constrained and... They can't, they can't do a lot of things. But when you're old, you can just kind of do whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exciting. As Elizabeth Blair says in the article, Why are old women often the face of evil in fairy tales and folklore? Old women in fairy tales and folklore practically keep civilization together. They judge, reward, harm, and heal, and they're often the most intriguing characters in the story. So true. So do you want to start us off with our first crown lady? 
Yes, I do. So my first lady today is Etzli, who is from Norse mythology. And so I'm not going to tell you about her. I'm just going to tell you a story. Okay. Um, the story about her. So, like, obviously, I am going to tell you about her, but I'm not going to describe her first. Okay. So, first of all, this is a big summary because it's uh, a small part of a larger story, but I'm just going to summarize the context really quick, which is that one day the great god Thor decided to challenge a Jotun, which is a frost giant, named Utgartha Loki, which means, like, Loki of the outer regions. So, different than the Loki that Different than the main know. Loki. Yeah. And yeah, so Thor, obviously we know him, big hammer guy, lightning. And so him, the god Loki, so trickster god, and Thor's servant Thialfe traveled to go see Utgartha Loki and like challenge him. And after several trials and tribulations, they eventually make it into the palace. And then Utgartha Loki receives them and decides to make them test their honor and skills to entertain him. However, they all seem to be failing in the tasks set before them, being beaten by the Jotun. So Thor, who is a very strong god and was also becoming quite angry because he kept failing the tests set before him, declared that there was no one in the world who could beat him in a wrestling match. So Utgartha Loki brought out a woman named Etli, who was, quote, an old woman stricken in years. Uh, this is from the Prose Edda by Snorri mm-hmm. Sturluson. Thor originally laughed at being assigned so feeble an opponent, but he quickly stopped laughing. Etli proved able to hold her own against him, moving swiftly out of his holds and seizing him into holds that he was somehow unable to escape. That's so fun. I know, right? It's such a good story. <laughs> Utgartha Loki called off the wrestling match, and Thor was further humiliated because he was forced to submit by falling to one knee. So... Humiliating. If beat Thor in the wrestling match. That Do you have any rocks. idea why Thor couldn't beat her? Um, because she was using his body weight against him? I don't know. Probably. <laughs> um, but so the answer is basically lies in who Atli is. And basically, at the end of the story, Utgartha Loki reveals to Thor, Loki, and Thialfe how he has tricked them all in the competition so that they were forced to lose. Basically, everything he set them up against was rigged so that it was impossible Uh, for them to win. That's awesome. And, like, they all performed, like, astonishingly well, but he just, like, made it so they couldn't win, so, like, they still lost. (laughs) And so... In particular, he reveals that Tetli is not any ordinary old woman, but is in fact old age herself. Ooh. Thor held his own very impressively and against her, but not even reigns. he. Yes, not even he could defeat old age. And so that is basically the story of Tetli. She never appears again, but That's awesome. she is the embodiment of old age whom Thor loses to in a wrestling match. I love her based on just that. Even if we know nothing else about her, that's enough. Yeah, she's great. And it's a really fun story in general, to be honest. Really? Honestly, so, Norse mythology has a lot of really fun stories. Yeah, they, I was thinking about that like <laughs> while we were setting up. I was like, wow, there's just so many interesting <laughs> stories like to just pick at and like see what are they trying to say. And yeah, so I, I've talked about this before, but like the fact is in Norse mythology, Norse gods can die. Mm-hmm. Not just like with being stabbed or killed which i think is a thing that can happen in other uh mythologies but they also just like they age and die themselves the only reason why they're not dying and aging is because they have these apples of youth that they eat that keeps them young ah 
And so I think that like shows that the fear of death in Norse mythology is super heavy and omnipresent. If even gods are fallible. Yeah, and even they submit to old age. So even the gods themselves, who are like the most powerful beings on Earth, even Thor, who was like the most powerful of the gods, Mm -hmm. he can't beat old age. He is also going to submit and die eventually. What a powerful message. Yeah, I know, right? You too will grow old and die. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, if you're lucky. Um, (laughs) Or not, because if you grow die of old age, then you're not going to Valhalla. But anyways. Going to hell? Uh, Yeah, I think you go to hell with one L. So you just kind of sit there for eternity. It's not great. So basically, this story just represents, is is just another aspect of how Norse mythology and like Norse culture in general seem to be super aware of and focused on the fact that death is inevitable and no one can escape it. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) I mean, that's fair (laughs) enough for like a Viking-y culture. Yeah. I mean, death was everywhere. I mean, it was just a, a heavily pessimistic culture. Yeah. And so, like, even Thor, the most powerful of the gods, can't defeat aging. So, like, it's going to happen. And yeah, so that is really my story of Etli. I thought she would be a fun one to start out with because she's literally the embodiment of old age. Yeah. And, like, who's a more iconic crone than the literal embodiment of old age? I love her. <laughs> yeah. So, Lizzie, who do you have for me? Uh, next, we have Kaliak Bera, or the Hag of Bera, who was a crone figure from Ireland, Scotland, and the Isle of Man. Nice. She's also known as the Queen of Winter and also simply as Kalyak sometimes. The word Kalyak means hag in both Irish and Scottish Gaelic. It literally means veiled one and can also extend to any old woman or witch, typically in a derogatory way. Mm. The term Kalyak can apply broadly to a range of figures throughout Ireland, Scotland, and the Isle of Man, but typically refers to Kalyak Bera, the Hag of Bera, who is an elderly goddess of winter. So she appears as a veiled old woman, sometimes with just one eye, and she has pale or blue skin and red teeth. And in the Manx Mm. tradition, sometimes transforms into a large bird. She is a creator deity that constructed most of the landscape as we know it, and she is also able to control storms and thunder. She carries a hammer that she uses to shape hills and valleys. Interesting. Yeah. And she, now that you mentioned Thor, I'm thinking about how that sounds very Thor-esque. I know. I mean, that's why I think it's interesting is because it sounds like Thor. Yeah. And she has... She controls thunder, lightning, and has a hammer. Yeah, that's actually very Thor. (laughs) I think that's very interesting. Yeah. She's able to control the weather and the seasons, and thus she's regarded with a mix of reverence and fear. She is a destructive force, but she also takes care of wild animals. She's the patron of wolves, and in Scotland also serves as a deer herder. Her default form is as a withered old woman, but in the Isle of Man, she spends half the year as an old woman and the other half as a young woman. She's only referred to as Kalyak during the winter half. What is she called in the summer half, do you know? It didn't say. Making a wild guess here, I feel like it might be Bridget. Oh, a hot take. For reasons that will become clear in a moment. Oh, okay. I see. So in, in, in Ireland, she had seven periods of youth, but thereafter remains an old woman forever. Mm-hmm. So she stands as a contrast to Bridget, who we talked about in an earlier episode, and who was associated with spring. Uh-huh. So on Samhain, or October 31st, winter begins and the Kaliak reigns, and then Bridget takes over on May 1st. Nice. That's why I think the opposite of Kayak is Bridget. That is super fun. I like that a lot. Though I don't know that for a fact because I didn't didn't actually say that. I'm just kind of making a guess. So here's something fun. Okay. On Imbolc, or February 1st, 
The Kalyak runs out of wood for the winter and has to collect more firewood, which she does in bird form in the Isle of Man and in old woman form in Ireland and Scotland. If she wishes for winter to last longer, she makes the day sunny and bright for her search. And if she accidentally oversleeps, then the day is gray and cloudy. Thus, if February 1st is gray and cold, then winter will be shorter. But if the day is sunny and bright, then winter will be longer. Well, so it's basically Groundhog Day. (laughs) It is basically Groundhog Day. Wow. In the United States, this tradition survives as Groundhog Day. Wow. That's so interesting. Isn't it? It's not it's not directly inspired by the Kaliak, but okay, so it's essentially in, the same concept, right? Yeah, it's sort of like survived, but like different. Yeah. Like basically it was sort of associated with like specifically hedgehogs in Ireland, where like if yes. they would peep their head out of their holes on February first, that's oh. the sign of like, you know, yeah. summer, spring, whatever. Um and then in Germany it was the same thing, but with badgers. Oh my and god! And then I guess I guess in Pennsylvania it groundhogs. was groundhogs, and then oh, that, that transformed sense. into whatever. Because there are a lot like of German 1800s. people who came to Pennsylvania. Yeah, so. the Pennsylvania Dutch, mm-hmm. as they were known. Which this is not irrelevant, but I learned recently that Pennsylvania Dutch—they're not Dutch; they're German. Because yeah. Dutch was applied to both German and Dutch. Well, it was a mispronunciation ish. of Deutsch, basically. I mean, yeah, but the word Dutch in English was applied broadly to germanic really stuff okay and then it got narrowed down to just dutch wow fun fact not relevant at all well that's that's a fun series of of images of badgers <laughs> and hedgehogs and groundhogs peeking out of their holes yeah. on the <laughs> you know i i like mm-hmm. that yeah it's pretty fun i love when you just get in a random direction where it's like oh this goddess is related to groundhog day i know like what that's so crazy <laughs> it is she also had a husband called the Buddhach who was a Celtic trickster or boogeyman figure, and she mm. had many children with him. So, yeah, so like I kind of said before, the Kayak was a maiden seven times over, during which time she had many husbands and children. But by the time her period of youth ended, she had outlived all of her husbands and children. Okay. Which is quite sad. Yeah. And there's a poem from the 8th century called Lament of the Hag of Bera, which features Kayak Bera lamenting on the loss of her youth. And this translation is by Lady Gregory. Ah, yes. Lady Gregory. Yes, her. So, (laughs) the young girls give a welcome to Bjeldina when it comes to them. Sorrow is more fitting for me, an old pitiful hag. I have no pleasant talk. No sheep are killed for my wedding. It is little, but my hair is gray. It is many colors I had over it when I used to be drinking good ale. I have no envy against the old, but only against women. I myself am spent with old age, while women's heads are still yellow. That's just an excerpt. There's a longer poem, Uh but yeah, a bit sad. But I like the poem because it kind of, it's sympathetic. Yeah. You know, like Mm -hmm. it must be sad when everyone you know dies and you you remain and then you just see everyone who's young just having a good time and you're like, oh, the simplicity of youth, you know? Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's very much, um, I mean, that, I think that is a good representation of old age in sort of a way. I mean, obviously, I'm not old, so I, I can't speak, actually, from personal experience, but, like, a lot of drink. growing old is saying goodbye to people. Oh, shut up. <laughs> um, a lot of being old is saying goodbye to people. It is, so. and that's terrifying. I think there's a lot of things about being old that must be, like, quite nice wisdom in theory wealth um like you kind of in a more settled age where you don't have to like wonder about stuff like when you're in your 20s it's 
you don't know what you're doing. But also people are dying and your health isn't very good. And that must be honestly depressing. Yeah. And she also appeared in an episode of the TV show Merlin. (laughs) Did you you watch Merlin? I did. But what season was this? Four. Is that the last one? I don't know. Because I didn't watch the last season. I only watched the first season. Thus, I don't remember this episode, but... Maybe Merlin fans out there will remember it. She appeared and she had somebody sacrifice themselves to her. So, yeah. Wow. And she was also a D&D character. Uh-huh. Dungeons yeah. and Dragons. Good for her. I think yeah. that's when you've really made it. I know. <laughs> I think you've really made it when when you Google the name, a bunch of D&D websites come up. Uh, yeah. I mean, I definitely had that experience through various ladies I was researching. This episode, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's that's Kaliak Bera, and I think she's really fun and also powerful because mm-hmm. she controls the weather and she controls the mountains and whatever. In a similar vein to Etli, kind of. Because the whole thing is that like she controls the weather, she controls thunder, she has a hammer, mm-hmm. which sort of like puts her in the same kind of position as Thor. Mm-hmm. But she's an old lady. Yeah, isn't that so interesting? It's cool. I mean, this is like a super powerful. Bit different, you know, Ireland versus like Scandinavia, but uh mm-hmm. Well, so I mean, the well, Vikings there was culture were in Ireland. Yeah, so, like the Vikings conquered Ireland. So Yeah, so there could be the uh, possibility relation, of like actual relation. We don't know for sure. Influence is Exchange, very high. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So who do we have next? So next we have Kiki Mara who is a lady from Slavic folklore, particularly Russian folklore. And so, for this one, I actually have some etymology. I'm rubbing Ooh. my hands together. Yay! In delight. Okay, so, <laughs> Mara likely comes from the Proto-Slavic Mara, which means nightly spirit or a bad dream. And Ooh. then the Kiki part could come from the Finno-Ugric Kikavurt, which means scarecrow. Interesting, because those... Language families are not actually related. I know, but they're... Fascinating. Like, similar areas, right? Yeah, like, so it would have Finland. been, like, contact. Yeah, so that's well, that's really interesting. And also, like, different spirits called Mara or, like, Mori, which is, like, the plural form, I would say, probably, located and found throughout various Eastern European, like, Slavic countries that are slightly different from Kiki Mara, but there's, like, a lot of different spirits that are generally pretty frightening as well which is cool and interesting. Mm -hmm. So yeah, she is a female household spirit from Slavic folklore. She often lives behind a stove or in a cellar, and she makes noises to receive food. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, Because she often takes on the appearance of an old woman, Kikimura was the original traditional explanation in Slavic folklore for sleep paralysis. And that's because the hallucination of an old woman, known as the old hag, is a really common sleep paralysis experience. So Yeah, like like throughout... Everywhere. Yeah, like literally everywhere, which is kind of scary. Like, why is that the thing your brain goes to is like an old woman? Yeah. When you're having sleep paralysis. But anyways, they are also said to come from the spirits of dead or stillborn children and can sometimes have the faces of women who died in childbirth. So there's that. That's a bit scary. Yeah, that's pretty scary. Um, in the same vein, Kiki Marie, again, the plural, are said to enter houses through their keyholes. 
sit on the chests of sleeping people and try to strangle them, which is a very similar to sleep paralysis and how sleep paralysis works. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of the time it's like, you know, a crushing sensation in your chest. You can't breathe. You can't move. What a horrifying experience. Absolutely. But there are many ways to repel them. Would you like to hear these ways? Yes. Okay. So the first way is to cover your keyhole naturally, because if she comes in through your keyhole, if you cover it up, then she can't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, If you think that she is in your room, you want to look at the window to avoid making eye contact. You want to avoid looking at your closet or dresser or door because she might be standing there and you don't want to make eye contact with her. She likes standing by closet? Yeah, she likes to hide there, I guess. But what what if you make eye contact with her, then she'll attack you, but if you don't, then she won't? Then maybe she won't notice you, I think. Huh. Physical. You can turn your pillow upside down and make the sign of a cross on it. You can leave a broom upside down behind your door. You can put a belt on top of your sheets, or you can say an elaborate specific prayer, which I could not actually find, but you could say it. (laughs) So um, these are ways to make sure that a kikimori does not visit you in your sleep. And there are two main types of kikimori. The first one comes from the forest and is married to Damavoi, who is the spirit of the ancestral head of the household, and is thought to be the good counterpart to kikimora. And the second one, which I found more about, is called Kikimora Bolotnaya, which means Bolota means swamp in Russian. So she is swamp Kikimora. Fun. And she comes from the swamp and she's married to Leshi, who is a minor Slavic forest god. And she is identifiable by her wet footprints, like I guess that she leaves in her ha- the house. So if there are wet footprints in your house and you don't know who's leaving them. Could be her. There you go. Mm-hmm. She is described as a small, ugly, hunchbacked, thin old woman with a pointed nose and disheveled hair. And her clothes are made of moss and grass. Oh. She causes lots of mischief, such as knocking travelers off the road, scaring people, and frightening children. Classic. Yeah, classic mischief. And I think, again, you know, as I said earlier, like, old women can just kind of do whatever they want in folklore. Yeah. Like, she can knock travelers off the road. Who cares? Yeah. Who's going to stop her? Yeah, who's going to stop her? She's an old woman. However, Kikimori can be helpful around the house and do tasks such as look after the chickens, spin thread, and clean as long as the house is kept in order. However, if the house falls into disrepair, she will wreak havoc on it and its occupants. So obviously the solution is to always keep a tidy house. Absolutely. What an amazing fear. <laughs> yeah. So keep your house clean. Also reminds me a lot of like brownie stories in English folklore, because like the story is also that if a, a brownie will help you keep your house in order, but if your house gets really dirty or if you disrespect the brownie, it will turn on you and like destroy everything. Wow. Okay. So these spirits just want you to keep clean. Amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They want to help you, but not if you can't help yourself, I think is the, the moral of the that's, story. That's understandable. And so if owners of a house that is being built mistreat the builders, the builders can invite a kikimara into the house Ooh. where they can cause lots of trouble and are very difficult to get rid of. So It's kind of fun. That's very fun. Workers' rights. Yeah. And then, so... There is a young counterpart of Kikimori found in Slavic folklore known as Mara or Mori, and they appear as young, beautiful women who haunt the dreams of men to torture them with sexual desire. So It's also pretty classic. Yeah, definitely. So the part in her name that means old is the part that means scarecrow? Yeah, <laughs> I believe. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that is Kiki Mara. I love her. There are so many delightful illustrations online if you look her up. Like, so fun. So fun. And I just think, again, you know, we have just a really, like, chaotic older woman spirit who will do kind of whatever she wants and you kind of fear her, but she can kind of help you. 
which seems to be a theme with old women in uh, Russian folklore, actually. Yeah, Slavic folklore has some really fun, haggard women, Mm -hmm. and that rocks. It's like, well, she can help you, but also she can hurt you, and you kind of don't know which one you're going to get, so. Keeps you on your toes. Keep your house clean, Mm -hmm. and cover your keyhole, Mm -hmm. and that's the moral of this story, I believe. Ha, moral, mora. Ha ha. Doesn't actually work, though. Anyway, so (laughs) next we have Frau Halle, also known as Hulda or Hulda. She's a Germanic crone figure who was likely originally a folk deity, Mm. but who today is known from the Grimm Brothers fairy tale, where she is the eponymous character. So basically, a widow has two daughters, her biological daughter, who was ugly and lazy, and a stepdaughter who was beautiful and industrious. Wow. Okay. Interesting. You can already kind of tell the direction this is going in. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's just sort of like, it sounds very Cinderella-ish, but then also the way you talked about it, like the order in which you said the names tripped me up where I was like, oh, so it's about the widow. And then she has two daughters, but it's like, oh, the stepdaughter is the one. Obviously, the I know, right? stepdaughter, you know. I mean, I agree with that. You think that the widow is going to be the old lady, but no. Anyway, though, mm-hmm. but the the widow greatly favored the ugly and lazy daughter and mistreated the beautiful daughter and made her do all the household tasks. Wow. I've <laughs> never heard this this. story before. <laughs> yeah. So the girl was made to sit by a well next to a road and spend all day until her fingers bled. One day, she dropped the reel into the well, and her stepmother told her that she had to fish it out herself. She jumped in the well and lost all of her senses. When she awoke, she was in a beautiful meadow. She began to walk around and came to an oven full of bread. The bread said to her, Oh, take me out, take me out, or I'll burn. I've been thoroughly baked for a long time. So she took the loaves of bread out. Next, she came to a tree full of apples. The tree said to her, Shake me, shake me, we apples are all ripe. So she shook the tree until all the apples fell off. Mm. Then she came to a small house with an old woman peering at her from inside. The old woman had frighteningly large teeth, so the girl wanted to run away. But then the old woman said to her, Don't be afraid, dear child. Stay here with me. And if you do my housework in an orderly fashion, it will go well with you. Only you must take care to make my bed well and shake it diligently until the feathers fly. Then it will snow in the world. I am Frau Hala. Hmm. Yeah. Because Frau Hala spoke so kindly to her, the girl decided to stay and help out. Hmm. She stayed with her for some time and tended to her tasks and had a good life with a roast meat every day and no angry words. However, she started to feel homesick and so she told Frau Hala that she wished to return home. Why? I don't know. Why does she feel homesick? This feels way better than She's not even trying to situation. eat her. I know. Yet, anyway. I mean... Seems like a pretty fun life. Yeah. But anyway, Mm -hmm. Frau Halle said that since she had served her so faithfully, she would take her back herself. And so she took her to a large gate. While the girl was standing under it, a shower of gold began to fall and stuck to her. And Frau Halle said it was hers to keep and also gave her back the reel that had fallen in. He forgot about that part. So she told her mother and sister what happened to her, and her mother wanted the same fortune for her sister. So she had ah. her spin by the well. You know what's going to happen. <laughs> um, so she pricked her fingers on a thorn bush, threw the rail in the well, then jumped down. She came to the beautiful meadow and walked along the same path. When she got to the oven, the bread asked her the same thing, but she replied, as if I'd want to get all dirty, and kept walking. When the apple tree asked her to shake it so the apples could fall, she said, Oh yes, one could fall on my head, and kept walking. She came to Frau Halle's house and accepted the offer to work for her. 
For the first day, she worked hard and obeyed Frauhalla. Over the next three days, she became lazier and lazier until she stopped serving Frauhalla altogether. Frauhalla dismissed her, and the girl was happy to be relieved of her duties and receive the rain of gold. However, instead of a shower of gold, when she stood beneath the gate, a kettle full of tar spilled over her. Ow! Yeah. Yeah, actually, the grim fairy tale translation that I read said pitch, like a jar of pitch. And I was yeah, like, what I does th- that mean? Yeah. I think it's the same. It's I about Googled the same it. Anyway, thing. it's yeah. tar, I'm guessing. So she was covered in tar, which uh, sounds pretty horrible, honestly. Ouch. Yeah. Anyway, so Frau Hollis said, that is the reward for your services and closed the gate. Brutal. Yeah. She had to go home with tar stuck to her and it did not wash off for the rest of her life. <laughs> the end. The end. Wow. Yeah. Thoughts? Um, well, so that reminds me of like five different stories, which is just the joy yeah. of a specific tale type. Um, yeah. But it's just very fun because like it reminds me of the one story um, that Haley told us mm-hmm. from Iran, I think. It, well, it was one with a well and there was a demon in the well and, and she went into the well and it was like very similar, which is very cool. And then like the tests and stuff and Rahala and yeah, it's just really interesting. And it yeah. also reminds me of Vasilisa the Beautiful because of going to see like yeah, a kind that, of interesting mm-hmm. old lady. Yeah, you're right. And her giving you what you need to help you and stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I yeah, it's just very fun. Yeah, and you are right. It is part of the ATU tale type, kind girls and unkind girl, what I think is 480. Pretty classic version mm-hmm. of that, honestly. Yeah. Um, the story was told to the Grimm's by Dutchenfield, who would become Wilhelm Grimm's wife and was published oh. in 1812. What? Nothing. Oh, I thought you reacted. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, you were like, she became his wife. And I was like, oh, okay. Or I thought it was like a negative reaction. Anyway, um, <laughs> and it was published in 1812 in the first edition of Grimm's Fairy Tales, though it was changed a little by the 1857 version, which is what I just read. Hmm. Well, I didn't read it. I summarized it. Hmm. Anyway, because of the portion of the tale where Frau Halle says that shaking the feathers out of her bed causes snow to fall, there is an expression used in Hessen when it snows that Frau Halle is making her bed. Ah, that's so cute. Yeah, kind of kind of similar to Kaliak Bera. Because she makes it snow. Mm-hmm. It's all connected. All the yeah, crones. Absolutely. And I think it's really interesting to have these crone goddesses of the changing seasons. Or like, I mean, not necessarily goddesses of the changing seasons, because I wouldn't say like Frau Hala's. Technically she is a goddess, but like a really old goddess that got Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily into... say like that's her main like power. I don't know. I don't know if that's accurate or not. But like with Kaliach Bera, it's very much like she's the one who makes winter happen. And it's yeah, interesting it's because, like, a lot of the time when we think of goddesses of changing seasons, we think of younger goddesses. But, like, also old women are the one who are causing the changes. Although it tends to be a winter change, which is one of the reasons why we decided to do this theme this time of year. Because it's wintry. getting cold. It's getting wintry. The, these ladies are doing their work and changing things. But I think it's interesting that, like, they are the ones who are bringing about these season changes. But then also they're mainly associated with winter, which makes sense because, like, the association of death with winter, you know, like. Mm-hmm. And death with old age, obviously. Yep, I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a bit mean, but it makes sense. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, that's part of the mother maiden crone archetype, right? Is that the crone yeah. is, like, winter and the maiden is spring. But also, like, the guess, moon and, yeah. Yeah. Mother's summer, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah. Something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. So who's yeah. next? 
So speaking of wells, I have a little uh, array, a smorgasbord, if you will, of English water hags to talk about because they're all very fun and there's also not that much information about any of them, but I think they're interesting. So the first one I will talk about is named Jenny Greenteeth and she is also known as Wicked Jenny, Ginny Greenteeth, or Jeannie Greenteeth. Okay, she sounds a bit familiar, but I don't recall the details. Okay, yeah, so she is a river hag from English folklore, particularly in northern and western England, as in England, not the United Kingdom, England specifically. And she is described as a hag with green skin, long hair, and sharp teeth. So, Fun. a delightful, a delightful appearance, I would say. Yes. And so she is said to sit underneath the surface of the water, and when children or elderly people come near her, she drags them under the water and drowns them. Just children and elderly people? I think so. I think it's more like a vulnerable person thing, you know? That makes sense, yeah. yeah. And the name Jenny Greenteeth can also be used to describe pondweed that grows to cover the whole surface of a body of water and disguises its depth, which creates a danger. So I think that's a fun little, like, yeah. term that's been inspired by Jenny Greenteeth. And yeah. Reminds me of green sleeves. <laughs> Like you could make a little version of the song. Jenny Greenteeth, Jenny Greensleeves, yeah. Greenteeth was... What are the lyrics to that song? I don't know. But yeah, it is a... Yeah, she is a fun old woman who likes to murder children. So that's always great. As do many of the classic old lady figures. Yes, which is so interesting. My next lady is Nellie Longarms. Ooh, fun names. Yes, she is a hag and water spirit in English folklore. And she lives in deep ponds, rivers, and wells. She is said to sit in water and pull children under, drowning them if they get too close. And you know how she does it? Luring them? I don't know. She uses her long, sinewy arms to pull them Oh, I should have guessed that, actually. Yeah. That's her name. She does it with her long long arms. arms. (laughs) Yeah. And yeah, that is pretty much all I have about Nellie Longarms, who just know that she exists. And she has long arms. her name is awesome. (laughs) And she will pull you under the water. So, yeah. Then finally, we have... Peg Powler. Peg Powler. Sounds yes. like a real name. Yeah, it could be. She is another English water spirit and hag, as said before, and she lives specifically in the River Tees in northern England. And if children get too close to the edge of the water, she will drag them under. And she was described by folklorist William Henderson from the 19th century as having green hair and a, quote, insatiable desire for human life. Lots of green. Yeah, which... Is interesting and makes sense because it's like, you know, river stuff like water, yeah. green water, green hair. Oh, this is a fun fact. Um, the foam of the river teas is generally known as Peg Powler's suds or Peg Powler's cream. Ew. Yeah. I thought you would like that. I don't. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, br- blame the English, I would say. Um, they're the ones yeah, who came up with that. Yeah, that's a fair enough. Uh... I am just a reporter. I am just the messenger. I have no stake in this situation. <laughs> but yeah. So next time you're at the River Tees and you see like some foam on it, you can be like, oh, it's Peg Powler's cream. Gross. Ew. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> anyway, she also has a sister or a daughter, um, depending on your story, named Nan Powler. And she's said to terrorize the river Scarn, which is a tributary of the Tees. Hmm. So they're doing it together. Makes sense if she's a daughter then. Yeah. Aw, fun mother-daughter-daughter activity. Yeah, taking after her mother. Mm-hmm. Adorable. And also, similar to Kikimura, in some artistic depictions, she is shown as a beautiful young woman who lures men to their tomb. 
So, interesting that sometimes they're shown as young women and not older women, which is what they're generally said to be. Mm -hmm. And so, basically, all these women are kind of considered to be cautionary tales to prevent children from venturing into dangerous waters. It could also, you know, be used to describe, like, specific dangerous aspects of rivers or ponds, like Jenny Greenteeth describes, like, that pond weed and stuff. Like a personification of... Yeah, but also... They are women who will drown you if you go swimming. So next time you're in England, maybe don't go swimming, I would say. Just in case. Okay. Maybe not in a lake or a river. Or a pond or a well. Or a stream. I don't know. Any more bodies of water. I don't think Uh, you can go swimming in a stream. But yeah, so those are my ladies from England. So the reason why I wanted to talk about them is I know they're all very short and they're kind of repetitive, but I just think it's interesting that there's like so many of them and they're like yeah, so they developed separately or do yeah. you think they just kind of got borrowed till the next region or whatever? I mean, it's probable that they got borrowed or they developed simultaneously together because they are in like the same area. It's like northernish England and describing essentially the same thing. But I do think it's interesting that... They, so many aspects, like they change the names, so there's some specific fun things going on. But also, like, so many aspects remain the same. Like, they are all still hags for the most part. And I mean, Jenny, Jenny Green Teeth and Nellie Longarms are essentially the same name, but just yeah. a little different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think it's interesting that they're hags because, I don't know, when you see an older woman, is your first thought that woman is going to drag my child under the water and drown them? Probably not. No, not I so mean, much. I can only speak for myself. But in this case, elderly women are not only not passive, but like actually actively dangerous and harmful. Which is kind of fun. And it's interesting that that's the story that's been created. Yeah. I mean, what we've talked about this episode has been like quite negative depictions of gold women or like kind of neutral, ambiguous, which yeah. there are. I guess we've mentioned in a few episodes also positive depictions of old women. Mm-hmm. But it is interesting like how prevalent negative depictions of old women are, especially considering that there aren't as many for old men. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Well, I know why it is. It's because of misogyny and ageism, yeah. but... Mm-hmm. But it's 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 interesting. Yeah. I mean, I would also think, like, the important to say, like, the archetype of the old woman stealing children away is definitely has some anti-Semitic origins to it. Yes. Yeah, that's completely true. Also, the specificity of the water and it being, like, a drowning thing is, like, also interesting to me. It's like, mm-hmm. this is the specific cautionary tale. Like, you know, this is the specific thing that will happen to you. Also, this isn't, this isn't like, broadly applicable to, like, every single world culture this was pretty like eurocentric Mm -hmm. but uh Mm -hmm. pretty interesting archetype yeah i mean i'm a fan of the old crone i've talked about several old ladies or at least a few old ladies on the show before yeah and we definitely plan to talk about Bobby Aga in more detail in a future uh-huh. episode, which is why we didn't talk yeah. about her too much today. Mm-hmm. Um, we are big fans of scary old ladies mm-hmm. here on Mythic Ladies. Absolutely. Um, we hope to be scary old ladies someday. <laughs> um, eventually, exactly. I'll come to visit Lizzie in the Netherlands on my house on chicken feet, and it'll be a really exciting <laughs> moment for all of us. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I think that I really liked what you said at the beginning about how old women kind of keep society together. And they're it's also true. like kind of you sort of said at the beginning, basically, like a lot of people in society have mommy issues 
And <laughs> that's sort of the foundation for maybe some of these really scary older woman archetypes. I don't know. And that's the thesis of this episode. That's the thesis <laughs> we of this have episode. mommy issues. We have mommy I issues. I don't. Nope. Not trying to insult my mom. She listens to this. No I love mom. my mom. This is about <laughs> other people's moms. <laughs> I'm just not going to include <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I think that, like, if the old crone is a terrifying figure in your life, I don't know. Go to therapy. Perhaps. <laughs> Just like Tony Soprano. Bring you exactly. <laughs> yes. Or Liesl. She has mommy issues, probably, because her mom is dead. Yeah. Point is, we love old ladies, and we think they should be able to kidnap people if they want and eat them. Yeah, I would say so. If uh, Kiki Mora just came into my room, I would simply look at her and make contact. <laughs> And it would be just really long and happens, awkward happens. eye contact because, and I would just make her feel really uncomfortable. Until and then she leaves. Would, then she would kind of leave, yeah. Perfect plan. And that's my plan, yeah. Mm-hmm. Great. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you for listening to this week's episode, uh, whatever that was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you enjoyed it, uh, please feel free to subscribe, leave a review, tell all your friends, and we'll be back here in two weeks with another episode. Thank you. Bye. May the Ladies Podcast is produced, researched, and presented by Elizabeth LaCroix and Zoe Kenninger. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at MythaLadies and visit us on our website at MythaLadies.com. Our cover art is by Helena Cayo. Our music was written and performed by Icarus Tyree. Thanks for listening. See you in two weeks. Mm-hmm.